Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. I must tell you, I've been looking forward to doing this show for a long time because joining me today on Grape Encounters for the entire show is Brent Keast. And it's imperative that he be with me to do this particular show because we're going to talk about something that is very much in both of our wheelhouses. You know, before there was Grape Encounters, there was an ad agency called The Right Angle. And that was my ad agency. It was based in Southern California. And we had some pretty formidable accounts. And I've probably in my life produced literally thousands upon thousands of commercials, as has Brent. And Brent, let's start by just welcoming you. It's nice to have you you in here for the whole show. You're not in that little four foot by four foot glass booth with the disco lights and lava lamp. Yeah, I'm glad that you put oxygen in there, though. That was nice. That's an improvement that we've made now that COVID is kind of behind us. We're splurging on things like oxygen. But anyway, advertising is something that you and I will never get out of our bloodstream. And it's always amusing that just about every week, it seems like you send me some sort of ad or some sort of riff by a DJ or or something from the past. And isn't it sad that it's from the past? It is sad (laughs) that it's from the past. Although once we dive into some of the material that I want to talk about today, we maybe are going to be okay with it being in the past. If you (laughs) know what I mean? I've been on this nostalgia thing and I've been reminiscing about old wine commercials, old wine ads and ad campaigns that were from a time when I couldn't even drink, obviously, but they were so incredibly, what's the word? They were cheesy, just incredibly cheesy. And the way that we looked at wine in those days is so different than how we look at wine now, because the reality is, is there, there were just a handful of wines that were being made. I looked at wine through my parents' eyes. But do you look at wine from both sides now? From up (laughs) and down? Up and down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my parents drank, if it was really a classy evening, it'd be Charles Krug. Wow. And that, by the way, was very classy. Yeah. It's classy today. Charles Krug makes some great wines. But the other stuff that was being sold, it had a couple of characteristics that are worth mentioning. The common denominator between most of the wines that were sold back in the 60s and 70s is, A, it was served cold. Served cold and usually was a little bit sweet. 
I was going to say B, it was so sweet you could lose an entire set of teeth <laughs> if you drank that wine for very long. Yeah. Uh, it was syrupy sweet. But that was a selling point for a lot of wines. Yes, it was a selling point. And now we're so sophisticated that we're afraid to admit that we might like something that's sweet. And this is something that I've talked about on recent shows. And I'll say it again. This COVID experience has gotten people interested in sweet wines again. You know, we've all heard about the mass depression that has been a part of the pandemic and the lockdown and all that stuff. We migrate to deserty things when we feel deserted. I like that. That's, That's very good. A nice twist of a phrase, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but it, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. You're looking for something that's going to make you feel better. And usually sweet things like a dessert make you feel better. Even if you're on a diet, and I've been dieting like a madman lately. When you get depressed, you find the sweetest thing in the house, and then you go, oh, who cares? And you sit there and eat the whole box of cookies. Right. Well, you, you, I don't because I've got lots of discipline. Yes, yeah, sure you do. Okay. <laughs> you also have a wife who makes incredible confections. Yes, so. she does. But you were deeply involved in the advertising world for a long, long time. You still yeah. are. I was and an you, agency producer, actually. Right. Yeah. And, and you still do voices for other people and you're reading ads all the time, every day, I guess. And so it's kind of in your here and now. Mm -hmm. Now, I do commercials for my advertising advertisers, which I'm really proud to do, but they're not cheesy. I just no. Don't. Okay. So why do you think it is that back in the 60s and 70s, there really weren't many dry wine choices at all? Well, I think if you look at the liquor type of drinks, those were sweet things, cosmopolitans and old fashions. And I think that our parents coming back from World War II, the trend was sweet cocktails. Yeah. And if you go through the list, the ones that certainly are top of mind for me, Rio Nidi yeah. was the wine and their slogan was Reuniti on Ice. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And we're going to play a Reuniti commercial in just a moment. It was the ultimate in cornball. Yeah. Okay. There was Blue Nun. Blue Nun which was is very a, sweet. Which is a legitimate wine, actually. Yeah. And they still make it today. And for whatever reason, even though it's still called Blue Nun, they have taken the nun off of the bottle. Mm -hmm. I guess she's now none of your business. <laughs> Have you tasted any Blue Nun lately? I have not. Actually, the kinds of places that I frequent, I don't know if they sell Blue Nun, you know? Well, you know something? It, it actually is very refreshing. So it's, you've had it's a it. nice wine. You've had it. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. it's not a classy, dry wine, that uh, typical California type of wine, but it's very refreshing. It's nice to okay. have a, a sweet wine every once in a while. Okay. What about Lancers? Lancers? I used to love Lancers. Yeah. And now, that was sweet, right? Yeah. Very sweet. I, I can't really remember drinking- And Matus, remember Matus? Matus. Yeah. Yes. And then there were some sparkling ones out there. And one of the favorite ones that I love to talk about is Cracklin' Rosé. Yes, right. And it wasn't Cracklin' Rosé. It was Cracklin' Rosé. It was Neil Diamond who coined the phrase Cracklin' Rosé. Yeah. And the reason, by the way, that he wrote the song, it was actually about a tribe of Indians where there were a lot more men than women up in Canada. You're looking at me like I'm making this up. <laughs> I'm not making this up. So it was pretty difficult. Difficult to get a date when you were part of that tribe because the pickings were slim. Mm -hmm. So they would go to the grocery store and they would buy this very inexpensive bottle of wine called Cracklin Rosé. And it was really inexpensive. Except all these wines were inexpensive mm -hmm. in those days. And that was sort of in lieu of your date for the night. I see. The line in the song, Cracklin Rosé, you're a store-bought woman. Mm -hmm. That's where that came yeah, from. Yeah. You make me feel like a guitar humming. Anyway, that's the backstory to Cracklin Rosé. So we're going to ride till there ain't no more. 
more ago. What does that mean? What a great lyric. Forever. We're going to ride forever. Yeah. If you could survive that much crackling rosé. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. by the way, that's one last thing but that I should- Rosé used to be sweet. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So rosés were sweet. And not only that, rosés were the thing. Oh, yeah. You could find many more rosés than you're going to find other, what we would call conventional wines today. Yeah. And we do need to talk about the fact that if we could be beamed back to 1960 or 1970, and if you wanted to drink a Cabernet Sauvignon, good luck with that. Yeah. Because it wasn't around. No, no. I mean, it basically wasn't around. It was like Cabernet Sauvignon. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. This thing, Cabernet Sauvignon, could be big someday. Right. And dry wines were kind of hoity-toity, and most people didn't want to deal with that. Well, we knew and understood sweet. We yeah. didn't understand dry. I mean, if you think about it, there is no equal in life to a dry wine. Right. And so as America became educated about wine, they were educated about sweet wines, dessert wines, syrupy wines, that sort of thing. Wines that you could pour on your pancakes. <laughs> I don't quite, think I'd do that. Quite literally. And then yeah. there were the Thunderbirds out there. Thunderbirds. Yeah. You know, this is icky, sweet wine. Yeah. And there was Boone's Farm, Strawberry yeah. Hill, and, and all Annie those. Annie Greenspring. She and I dated for a while. And Ripple. And Ripple. Red Ripple. And, and most of those things that you've mentioned, not all of them, but many of those are still around. Okay. We are talking about uh, historic wine advertising and, you know, how it got us from there to here. It's amazing that we survived. It is a different world today than it was in those days. And I'm pleased to have a guy who's got a sterling advertising agency resume and background, Brent Keast. And it's something that he and I spent a lot of time talking about because we both have an obsession with just all of this nostalgic stuff that we're talking about today. And we'll talk more about it in just a moment on Grape Encounters. Welcome to Total Wine and More, a wonderland for wine spirits and beer lovers. No matter what's on your holiday table, we have the wine and the savings to match. Pop open some bubbly as guests gather around. Pair baked ham with Cabernet for some tasty magic. Turkey and stuffing plays nicely with Pinot Noir. And while you're at it, check out the top 20 wines of the year and discover standout gifts for everyone on your list. With over 8,000 wines, 4,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers to choose from, you can expect the unexpected, always at ridiculously low prices, with the best service in America. Choose in-store pickup or curbside pickup, shipping and delivery. Explore more in-store, online at TotalWine.com or on the app. Spirits not available in Virginia or North Carolina, delivery available in select markets. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. 
O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. It's amazing how many chuckles you can squeeze in during the commercial break. We were sitting here watching a couple of the ads that we're going to talk about. And also, I'm looking at a print ad that goes back to the mid-40s. And you're the film buff guy, right? Okay. So this is an actress, Lynn Fontaine. Mm -hmm. She was famous, right? Yes. And so she did an ad campaign for California wines back in the 40s. And if you put that into perspective, pretty much none of the names that you're familiar with were there. There were a few. Okay. Charles Charles Crew was there. Yeah. And there was Christian Brothers. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There were some, but mostly... It really didn't kick into gear really until the 60s and 70s. And really, California wasn't on the world wine map in any significant way until after the Judgment of Paris in 1976. Exactly. Chronicled incorrectly by Bottle Shock. If you're going to watch that movie because you want to learn about how California became a powerhouse, it's right in a lot of ways and wrong in the most important ways. So I'll just say that. So this ad that I've got is the actress Lynn Fontaine, and she's relaxed in a chair, and then there's a picture of some guests sitting around the table. I guess dinner is very fancy at Lynn's place because the guys are wearing tuxes and the women are in gowns. That's how the Fontaine family rolls, right? Headline, more and more often, reports Lynn Fontaine, our guests today choose wine. So I guess in those days, it must have been martinis, right? Yeah, you choose a, or a, a cocktail or, or something a like that. cosmopolitan. Or... I love this. There's a subhead here that is really great. It says, times are such that people need to relax and enjoy themselves Occasionally. 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 Put that in parentheses. And and then she says, yet almost everyone wants to be moderate about it. Wow. What is the message there exactly? I I think that was written by a Libra. (laughs) (laughs) It's like people want to party, but wine, you're going to keep the party contained. Yes. Okay. This ad has got a lot of copy, but it's so funny. She has a thing here that's presumably torn from her personal notebook, and it says notes on serving wine. First one is, simplicity is the keynote to wine serving today. You are smartly correct, as opposed to dumbly correct, I guess, (laughs) when you serve wine very informally. Maybe they're getting at the idea that you don't have to mix the drink. Well, I don't know. Serve it informally and everybody's wearing tuxedos here, right? I mean, crazy. And then the next one says, try the table wines at dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Table wines. They were trying to take, by the way, that whole table wine concept in a very different direction in those days. Table wine meant delicious wine for the table. Today, table wine means the cheap generic stuff. Right. It's a completely different meaning. But you'll see other references. If you go back and look at old ads, they would refer to table wines as being the thing, right? Well, you know, you look at the culture back then. For instance, a lot of 40s movies, they've got a little martini glass. They don't do wine. Right. She writes, even at informal 
dinners nowadays, I usually serve a good wine with the main course, writes charming Lynn Fontaine. Afternoons, too, I find more and more people are choosing wine because they prefer to stay on the moderate side. Not only in smart social circles, not just in certain parts of the country. Everywhere today, hosts and hostesses are doing as Lynn Fontan does. I love this copy, by the way. It goes from first person to third person, mm -hmm. back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's funny stuff. That was back in the 40s, but now we're going to move forward to the 60s and 70s. And we just watched during the break a Reuniti commercial. I'll play you a part of it. But the gist of this commercial is that there are different people in different scenarios and it cuts from one to the other to the other. And every couple, Reuniti on ice, and then somebody else says, that's nice. nice. Yeah. And it starts with this formal dinner party with the worst acting you could possibly imagine. And there's a guy and he's dressed like a general or something, right? Maybe Napoleon. And everybody's standing up and he says, Reuniti on ice. And the entire crowd goes, that's nice. <laughs> but with the enthusiasm of getting a Rick Canal, right? Yeah. A bunch uh, of extras making 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and so there are all these people in these different settings, including an Eskimo couple. And that's kind of sweet. It was. Reuniti on ice, that's nice. Then they rub their noses together. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making this up. You it's gotta, really, it's kind of sweet. Gotta, okay. You definitely got to give this a listen. Reuniti on ice. That's nice. Reuniti on ice? That's nice. Reuniti wine. Like love, it's pure and natural. Yeah, that is very good stuff, but you're not going to rest and get off my back until we play the Italian-Swiss colony yes. thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about Italian-Swiss colony as a concept because yeah. there really is and was an Italian-Swiss colony in California. And if you look on a map in the Central Valley, it's in you, Fresno. It's a real place. Yeah. And it was a co-op then. And so was it like you had to be half Italian, half Swiss, or how did that work exactly? I don't know. I think it was just the style of the wine, but the way I understand it, it was the largest winery in the world. At that time. With huge tanks, yeah. So they made a very, very popular wine. I can't say I ever tasted it. You know, but, I but, was too young. But it was a mass-produced wine even then, yeah, when, yeah. you know, before we even had mass-produced wines. But they had some great commercials. You want to talk about them? Oh, well, the little winemaker. That was one of their things. That little old winemaker, that me. That little old winemaker, me. Yeah. And that was, a actually, that was a famous person. Yeah, they did shoot in the commercial the actual winemaker. But he had such a thick they killed, accent they, that they nobody could they, understand. They killed him? <laughs> I mean, on film. Oh, on film. Okay, yeah. yeah. But nobody could understand him, so they hired Jim Backus, who played Mr. Magoo. Well, and he played Thurston Howell Third exactly. on Gilligan's Island, exactly. right? Exactly. And he dubbed in his voice that little old winemaker. That little old winemaker, me. An interesting choice of people, because if you'll recall, Jim Backus was a comedian who did a lot of drunk characters you know and of course that's we just absolutely do not do that yeah and i won't do it but in those days you know that was apparently funny to people well um, i remember him from mr magoo yeah <laughs> oh magoo you've done it again pumping into everything <laughs> yeah that was good stuff but italian swiss colony they had just a whole lot of commercials so here is a taste and the music really has that peter paul and mary folk song kind of a thing i need a italian swiss colony wine we should have been drinking that here right. but anyway what's interesting if you watch enough of these commercials Commercials, there's another common denominator that you're going to see, and it's that pretty much every commercial makes a reference to wine being synonymous with love. That's mm -hmm. wine and love. Wine and love. You don't need Match.com or Plenty of Fish. Right. You just need a bottle of Italian Swiss Colony, and you're good to go. And you're good to go. An Italian Swiss lad who tended to the vines, 
fell in love with a lass who crushed the grapes to make the wines. And soon they were wed and were happy as can be in the land of Italian Swiss colony. Yes, it's love that makes the wine grapes grow, love that tends the vine, the love and skill that goes in. Maybe that's what I should do. I should just go get myself some Italian Swiss colony and just hang out on street corners with it and I'll attract a mate. Or the police, one of the two. Yeah, I guess it's probably hanging out on the street corner with a bottle of Italian Swiss Colony. That's not sending the right message. No, I don't right? think so. Nothing against the wine, of no, course, okay? No. But I would have to drink it out of a paper sack, and that yeah. would be... Actually, I did have some once, and I really liked it. Okay. Well, that's great. Okay, I mean, we are going to take a break right now. I've got Brent Keaston here. He is a advertising holic, like me. And we are talking about historic wine advertising on Grape Encounters. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMorganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know that in Old England, the word grape actually means berry? However, back in the day, grapes didn't want to be lumped in with raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, and so on. So they refrained from going by the name grape berry. 
That's what we love about grapes, always thinking. And we're thinking it would be a very good idea to turn Dave's mic back on. David? And we are talking about historic, nostalgic wine advertising. I am here with Brent Keast. He's on a lot of commercials all over the world and has worked in that industry for a very long time, in addition to being our radio guy. And I'm only 16 years old. Yeah. Have you ever had any Antilaria sparkling wine? Never heard of it. It sounds like an Italian cruise ship. So yeah, it was made back in the early 1900s, 1910, this ad is from, and it's a non-alcoholic sparkling wine. And here's the kicker, okay? They describe it as a stimulant second only to champagne at a fraction of the cost. <laughs> wow. Wow. The stimulant. It's non-alcoholic. They, they maybe have some caffeine in it or something. It's a fraction know. of the cost because there's no alcohol. <laughs> right. they, didn't have to, right. they didn't have to put any alcohol in and there. And they didn't have to pay taxes on oh, it. Oh, man. That's that's crazy. Okay. I, I got another one. I love this particular one. It's for Virginia Dare Wines. Okay. And, and this is going back to 1941. It's a newspaper ad and it's done sort of like a cartoon strip style. And it says they fibbed when they said, thanks for a swell time. And so there's a like, a, I guess, a husband and wife and they're getting into the car and the wife says, Bill sure tries hard to be a good host. And then the guy says, but I don't see how such a swell guy can serve such awful drinks. And then the woman says, somebody should tell him what people like to drink these days. And the guy says, why doesn't he serve Virginia Dare wines? That's my idea of being sociable. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. That's what they talk about. Bill just cooked him dinner and all that. And sure. this is how they treat him. So then I guess Bill meets Virginia Dare. And Virginia Dare, the character, is there with Bill. And Bill says, mmm, this wine is delicious. And what a tempting bouquet. And Virginia Dare, who's holding a tray with the wine, which, by the way, is in like one of those martini glasses. And she says, it's made from grapes cultivated especially for distinctive, rare qualities. That's why Virginia Dare has a flavor all its own. And so now we go back to the original couple, right? I guess it's Bill's next party, right? And the guy says, Bill's parties are tops since he discovered Virginia Dare. And then the woman says, yes, it surprises and delights everyone's taste. And it's so inexpensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good stuff. Well, you know, it just goes to show you that there was a, a tremendous desire for a wine that tasted like that in those days. I guess. And the smart ad agency would do a, maybe a focus group and say, this is what we need. This is what we need to talk to our clients so that they make that style of wine. All right, so uh, moving forward in 1968, Mogan David grabbed onto this concept that I was talking about earlier about table wines. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, table wines, that's the thing. If it's a table wine, it's a good wine. It was a totally different perspective than what we have today. Now, table wine just means cheap and, you know, mass produced. But Mogan David, the kosher wines, of course, they had a Concord grape wine. And it says at the top, Mogan David makes excellent table wines. And then at the bottom, it says, Coffee table, dining table, kitchen table, end table, cocktail table, card table, night table. Wow, that's clever. You could go anywhere in that person's house. Yeah. And there's a bottle of Mogan David on every table. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, fun stuff. I love this one, too. Uh, this is another print ad, and then we'll go back to some TV stuff. But Almaden. 
Ah, uh, yes. Had a, a great ad for their jug wines. In that odd bottle that you could not put on a wine I think rack. it's, isn't Almaden still around, right? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. San Jose, I think. So they have their bottle, teardrop shape, but great big jug, and sitting on top of an old wine barrel, and then it says, we care enough to age our jug wines in wood. And then there's what they write about wood. Okay, it's very different than what we would have said today. It says, uh, wood aging is not absolutely necessary in making wine. Other less expensive, less involved ways of aging can be used, but not by us. To achieve a touch of greatness, each almond and jug wine spends time in wood. We insist on it. So should you. But they don't say what kind of wood. They don't really. Actually, in those days, it could have been redwood. It could have been acacia wood. Yeah. You know, they, they aged in all kinds of different things. But anyway, yeah, that's pretty neat. Should we do a commercial? Would you like to do a commercial? Yeah, let's do a commercial. All right. So we were talking about Thunderbird. So this one just doesn't even need any introduction. It's a couple at a party and they're introduced seen a new taste sensation which is mixing thunderbird with grapefruit juice and they call it a shake em up shake em up right right okay let's give a little listen here let's shake em up together shake em up what's that it's a great new taste of ice cold thunderbird with grapefruit juice just pour the juice in the bottle and shake em up shake em up shake em up thunderbird and grapefruit juice shake em up that's a shake em up wow Totally together. Thunderbird and grapefruit juice. Shake them up. Now you get some. Thunderbird and grapefruit juice. Shake them up. All right. Do you love that, huh? You were part of the in crowd if you do the shake them up. Yeah. Well, you, you got to dance like that, too, uh, with the wine and the grapefruit sangria, juice. you know. I feel like I want to do a Thunderbird shake them up party. Yeah. That's what I want to do. All right. Let's go to our next one. This was one of my favorite ad campaigns. As a kid, I didn't even drink wine, but this commercial is for cello wines and it's a lambrusco which are getting popular again mm-hmm. they weren't for a long time but it's built around a character called aldo cello and he is a, a, this little fat guy he's, he's chubby he's short he's not handsome but he wears these white outfits with yeah. a white fedora hat he's Don't... got a joie de vivre oh yeah and as he's walking through the streets of italy all the women are yelling out aldo aldo and everybody's so attracted to him well, the punchline is they're attracted to him because you know, he's always got, I guess, the cello wines. Yeah. And the secondary slogan is Chilla Chella. So all of these women flock to Aldo. Aldo. This is Aldo, Aldo Chella. He is not tall. Ciao, Aldo. He is not pretty. He is not powerful. Aldo. But Aldo Chella knows what women like. Chella Lambrusco. A very special red wine. Now, I think it's safe to say that this commercial would probably not be made today because no matter how humorous it might be, it would also be considered sexist. Because the punchline is, he doesn't have a lot of things, but he knows what women want. Mm -hmm. You know, what they really want is 
you know, an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh, definitely not. But, you know, in those days it was different. But the reason I liked it was because I was this little chubby kid growing up and I thought, wouldn't it be nice to, you know, to be like Aldo? Like you could just be chubby and you could be not perfect. I mean, now, I mean, I'm a, a specimen of a godlike being right You're now. You're a Madonna's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in those days, you know, I was very self-conscious. So Aldo gave me hope. You know, human beings live in their own age. And so it's really unfair to judge people at this point. What does that all mean? Well, I mean, Aldo and the whole concept of Aldo, that was a cool thing back then. In those days. Yeah. yeah, yeah you you yeah. live in your own age. No, 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 that's right. I'm just saying today that wouldn't play well. No, um, no. It would be canceled. It's, and it, it's not even that he was more attractive to people. It's that he knows what women want. Yeah. And I, and I just wonder, you know, if you go back to when Mel Gibson made that movie, What Women Want, even that wouldn't play as well today as it did, no. what was that, 20 years ago? Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break, but we're going to come back and wrap things up. Sitting with me today, co-hosting, driving, actually, in a way, piloting the whole ship right now. Brent Keast. What a kind my, thing my, to say. My very beloved announcer, dear friend, and I love with a capital L, just talking about stuff, especially nostalgic stuff with Brent, because he is a wealth of information. Did you know that? You didn't even know how wealthy you were. I didn't know that. Well, you are. You're wealthy. All right. We'll be back with more Grave Encounters after this. If you're a winemaker or a grape grower, you need to hear this. PureFresh Wine's patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished, without any chemicals or residue. Leading winemakers aren't shy about confirming the benefits of using PureFresh Wines process to significantly improve wine quality and approachability. Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today or we'll get you connected when you contact us via the grapeencounters.com website. These days, it is critically important for you to like us on our Facebook group page or any other social media you connect with us on. Those likes help keep us going strong. Also, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please consider writing a review or giving us a thumbs up or five stars. It's what enables us to take you on trips around the world and share things about wine that are often overlooked. Thanks for being a part of the family. Welcome to Total Wine and More, a wonderland for wine spirits and beer lovers. No matter what's on your holiday table, we have the wine and the savings to match. Pop open some bubbly as guests gather around. Pair baked ham with Cabernet for some tasty magic. Turkey and stuffing plays nicely with Pinot Noir. And while you're at it, check out the top 20 wines of the year and discover standout gifts for everyone on your list. With over 8,000 wines, 4,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers to choose from, you can expect the unexpected, always at ridiculously low prices, with the best service in America. Choose in-store pickup or curbside pickup, shipping and delivery. Explore more in-store, online at TotalWine.com or on the app. 
spirits not available in Virginia or North Carolina, delivery available in select markets. Man, it's kind of like watching the Super Bowl today. You know, the commercials are the best part of the show. Yeah, one-minute movies. That's exactly right. I don't think people realize how hard it is to make a commercial. And they cost a lot of money. They do, and I have made a whole bunch of them in my life, and I think that the commercials that I've made, some of them are very iconic. And jingles that you have written. Yes, I love doing jingles. But let's talk about something that we played at the end of last week's show. Ah. We played the most famous of all wine commercials. Probably the most quoted, the most imitated, and that would be Orson Welles. Yes. Doing Palmason. Yes. We sell no wine before it's time. Orson Welles is larger than life, figuratively and literally. He was an icon. It's so amazing that he would do a commercial like that, but I guess it was it was elegant. The whole premise of the commercial is he's listening to Beethoven and he says it took Beethoven four years to write that symphony. You know, some things can't be rushed. And then that's where that whole, we will sell no wine before it's time yeah. thing came in. But you shared with me something that I did not know about that commercial. I'm going to let you share it because I don't want to get suit, I'll let you get sued. Okay. Uh, Well, is this just what is believed or do you think that the evidence that we have here is conclusive? Well, I don't know. They say print the legend. Print the legend. Yeah. Okay. So the the legend is that uh, Mr. Wells was about 40 sheets to the wind at the time. He was happy. He was happy doing the commercial. He was very happy and and he couldn't get his lines out. I think you're going to play some of the outtakes. One one of the finest actors of modern history, of of any history. He was an actor. And he's stumbling through this. And there's a couple that's sitting at the table with him and they say, okay, action. And he says nothing. Yeah. And the couple's looking and you can tell they're afraid of him. Yeah. Right? Of course. He's very intimidating guy, right? Exactly. 102, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagne... It's vintage dated. So So what they do in movies is if the line doesn't come out or there's a noise or something, but the shot looks great, they uh, get the actor in another day and they have him what they call loop the dialogue into his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they had to do with this So you're saying he was loopy then? He was loopy. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Lupe. <laughs> anyway, no, it's it's very funny stuff, but you, you know, it's just amazing to me that he would do that commercial. Just period. Nothing against the product, but actors of that caliber are very, very reluctant to do promotional stuff. Well, you know, at the time, his career had kind of bottomed out and he was really interested in these very personal movies that he was making. And so he was always looking for money so that he could complete these movies. And some of them actually never were completed. Yeah. So there might have been a monetary thing. Yeah. Okay. I get that. So I want to talk about Gallo for a second because Gallo was so important to the California wine and still is, by the way. You know, sometimes people have the wrong idea about Gallo and they go, oh, those are just cheap and expensive wines. That's not true. Not at all. No, no. They own a lot, a lot, a lot of different wineries. They've got some really, really high-end wines. And But what they did was they, they learned how to make very, very decent quality wines for not much. It was affordable. And, and, and by today's standards, you know, the, the wines even then were quite good. And they also 
uh, were responsible for so many innovations in winemaking. Yeah. They founded ways to make wine better. And consistent. A exactly. And so you always, if you got a, a bottle of Gallo Burgundy, you knew that it was going to be just fine from year to year. Yeah. And so I, I want to play this. This is a commercial for Gallo. And the, the title of the commercial is Gallo Makes Wine with Loving Care. And it's just like this total warm, fuzzy thing. Here, just give a listen here. Come along with me to the wine country, and here in the vineyards you will see how we Gallo folks take loving care to make our wines with flavor rare. Gallo makes wine with loving care. Gallo makes wine with loving care. Gallo makes wine with loving care, especially for you. All right, but you got to admit, that is some warm, fuzzy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The people are out there in the vineyard, and everybody's got this fantastic smile on their face. There's wagons going between the rows, and the wagon is pulled by horse. Yeah. And I mean, genuinely, that's how they did it, uh, you know, back then. And you've got this- This foreman and he's with singing, a Broadway voice. He's got a Broadway voice. Yeah. But what was interesting also is this foreman, I mean, he sings with a masculine voice and he looks masculine. And it was really, I think, directed toward men, not women. They're trying to sell the wine to men. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But I tell you, you know, you look at the commercial and I've looked at several other commercials like this that Gallo did and others did. I mean, everybody's out in the field and they're just having a ball. Yeah. They're just happy as can possibly be. And there was that sense. And also in the, the Italian Swiss colony commercials of people just loved being out in the field, picking the grapes. And now we think of that as, oh, farm labor. And I don't know. That's... I picked a lot of grapes and we yeah. do have a ball out there. So we... you enjoy picking grapes. Yeah. You get up really early in the morning. you got to be done by 11 o'clock clock. Do you eat some of the grapes? Oh, while yes. You, while you're picking? Do you yeah. have a bellyache by the time you're done? Not really. No. Okay. I mean, you get a sugar high. But... All right. We literally just scratched the surface yeah. today. But we should do another one. Well, I think we should. This is just such good stuff. And I think what strikes me as most interesting is the innocence of this kind of advertising, that it was just wholesome. Yeah. And it was fun. You know, being in the advertising business was fun back then, too. Yeah. It, yes, it was. And, and that's why I quit the advertising business. Because you were having too much fun? No, because when the internet came along, it ruined everything. Yeah. It was all about how do you fool bots and spiders and things so that uh, you can get noticed. It's really a very dishonest form of advertising no, today. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's in your face and it's intrusive. And I liked when we figured out who our audience was and then figured out what would be a, a message that they'd really enjoy and then crafted something very entertaining that was going to be memorable. Yeah. And that's what this stuff was. Yeah. Although we look at it today and we go, well, that's so corny. But in those days, that's how it all was. Yeah. It was truly a one minute movie. All right, we'll be back here next week and we'll see you on Grape Encounters. We won't actually see you, but we'll pretend like we see you. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. When Total Wine and More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content 
it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. Thank you.